Episode 184 of the Bevan James Isle Show, an interview with Lisa Osborne. Rightio, team, welcome along to episode 184 of the Bevan James. I'll show you a fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness so you can get all the benefits that come alongside it. Very excited about today's interview. I've, I've got an interview with one of my best friends in the industry, someone who's a bloody rock star in the fitness industry, to be honest, a lady by the name of Lisa Osborne. If, if you're in fitness, and particularly if you're in the Les Mills world, uh, but a lot of people, even not in the Les Mills world, will know Lisa Osborne. Lisa Osborne has been in the game for a very long time, uh, has achieved kind of everything you'd ever hope to achieve in fitness. And the thing I love about Lisa's story is there's kind of two components. She's been a high-level athlete. She's been a three-time world champion in aerobics. And she, she, as an athlete, she's competed in the CrossFit games and got to a pretty much the top level of that as well, uh, but also has been one of the top leaders in teaching fitness as well. So she kind of has this journey of trying to be the best version of herself through exercise and also helping other people love exercise and also training fitness leaders, which is a really important thing. And I wanted to do an interview with Lisa for a long time and I've always kind of struggled to just find the time and with the lockdown happening I managed to tie her down and so we sat down a couple of days ago and we sat down for a good hour and just had this really cool conversation and Lisa if you follow Lisa on Instagram she's one of those people who has like 60,000 followers she's quite big on Instagram and all the social media and she's really she's such a good presence and she has such an honest uh, representation of herself but it's very much around the body attack program that program that she does uh, and I wanted to kind of show sides of Lisa that maybe the people who know Lisa don't know about but also lessons that can teach many people about her philosophy in life and how to deal with adversity and how to be successful in life and it's just a really good interview she's a cool chick you know like when Lisa and I work together it's always fun one thing I love about working with Lisa is I work with Lisa at these real high high demand high pressure moments like we're putting out a product that which gets thousands and thousands of dollars spent on it you, you go along and do these filming products and you've got like camera crews and they I'd hate to think the amount of money, but like think of tie-in production, six cameras, you know, just everything you can imagine. And you think that, that the environment that you'd want to create for that would be kind of high-pressure environment, but Lisa creates an environment that's always about fun. You, you're expected to do the work and you're expected to deliver, and if you're not, you know, she'll pull you up, but she kind of trusts you, and so it makes it quite relaxed, and everyone just does their work in a really fun way. And it, it's really interesting, because if you look at most high-performance environments, you probably wouldn't look at what we do when we're filming Body Attack and think that's the way to do it, but it works. So there's just something about that. So I'm really excited. I'm not going to do too much of a talk before that today because I did talk to Lisa for a long time. Uh, I just want to say thank you to all the patrons of the show. And we have got a new patron of the show today, actually. A lady by the name of B.B. Frail. B.B. Frail is actually a member at the gym. And B.B.'s got a cool story because I only know B.B. from coming to my gym, Les Mills in Christchurch. And one thing about B.B., is she has a smile super glued to her face. She's just one of those people who... I remember when I was younger, there's a great book called Danny Champion of the World, and it's by Roald Dahl, and it's about this kid whose father is a poacher and all the rest of it, but there's a chapter in it where he talks about his dad's smiley eyes and how you can't, you, you, you can't fake you can't fake smiley eyes. You can fake a smile, but you can't fake smiley eyes. And eyes. And I used to read this daughter, this chapter to my daughter often because I love this kind of idea of we can all kind of fake a smile, but in the eyes is where the smile really is. And BB is just one of these people who has this beautiful smile and this beautiful kind of eyes that kind of represent, you know, this kind of inner thing that she puts out to her world. But I know she's lost a lot of weight. So I've only known her since she's been kind of in the fitness journey, but I think she lost, I, I don't know the exact number, but it was absolutely massive. It was a massive achievement. And she's kept exercise. And then she's a real world example of you can achieve change and maintain it for a long time. So it's just a really great thing. Now, I also know Bibi 
I think she in the last local election she was going for some role. Now I don't know much about local local politics, but I do know that she went for some role. And I think I'm pretty sure this is not very good research, but I'm pretty sure she got it. So I've got a her nickname is BB, going to City Hall frail and uh, going to City Hall. City Hall is kind of an American thing, but I just thought it kind of worked. So there you go. So BB going to City Hall frail. When you become a patron, you get a nickname, and some of the other patrons are Eden. Lionheart Philby, we've got Jaron Cool Calm Collector Becker, we've got Belinda Hardcore, Happy Hardcore Thomas, and we've got Emily, I've got to wear shades, Cargill. These people are all cool patrons of the show. So if you want to become a patron, go to bevanjamesisles.com. It's all pretty obvious on the website. Other than that, let's get straight into the main gist of today's show. I've got an interview with the fitness legend that is Lisa Osborne. Okay, team. Well, I'm pretty excited today. I've got one of my best friends in the world, and also one of the absolute icon in the fitness industry. Such an icon. She even did aerobics um, old style back in the day. But she's been a world aerobics champion. She's been a high, high level CrossFit athlete, making the CrossFit World Championships. I think. Did you qualify second in the world for that? I no. I went in in fourth position. So, okay, so qualified. Um, so, now, if you don't know about yeah. CrossFit, a it's the most stupid, crazy sport there is in the world. But they have like regional championships. And to get to the world, you're under the top 20 athletes in an age group make the worlds. It's a very elite bunch of people. And Lisa made that a few years ago as well. So uh, she's also known for Les Mills. All the Les Mills people out there will know Lisa. She is one of the icons of Les Mills and just a massive name in the fitness industry. She's she's blushing, but it's all true. Uh, <laughs> welcome along to the show, Lisa. Thanks, Bevan. Thanks for having me and spending time with you is always a pleasure. Oh, you say all the right things. Hey, um, I suppose let's just start with your 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 first passion for fitness. Where did it start? Like, you know, like your life has been fitness, but kind of just tell us where it all started and give us your kind of journey. Oh, that's actually a really good question. The first, my first love of fitness was basically, uh, this is actually quite a bit of a funny story, Bev. So I was born in the car. I couldn't wait. Give <laughs> <laughs> me up. Um, my, yeah, my mum was like, oh, my God, I'm going into labour. And my dad, they're, it was the middle of the night. And, um, yeah, uh, dad literally, uh, you know, got my mum into the car. And, um, you know, mum's contractions didn't just start. They were just sort of like full on. And I just, I literally popped out on the floor in the front seat of the car, really? all blue. Yeah, blue as apparently I was completely blue. And um, yeah, and then as soon as Dad arrived at the at the the car park, and I popped out, and he ran in, and the nurses ran out, and here I was. Uh, I can't believe to... I know that. It's such a great story. <laughs> <laughs> Always rushing to get through it. <laughs> yeah, my mum and dad have laughed about it their whole life, and um, yeah, I just I couldn't wait. I think to get into life, so. Maybe my, my, it all sort of started from there. And then, um, I mean, my passion and my fitness love came from my parents. I mean, I can't think of a day, literally from the day that I could walk, that I wasn't um, doing some form of movement or exercise and, and I was surrounded by it. My dad, um, well, he was, a, he was a tennis player and a professional tennis player. Oh, so, he? he'd come, yeah, he'd come from that background and um, uh, as, as a as a like on the circuit athlete competitor. So he was right up there in tennis. And then he really sadly, um, he got polio um, as in, at his peak of tennis really? life. And back then it was not as treatable or something that you'd like now I think you have vaccines and stuff for, so you, people don't really get that, that, that disease. But um, anyway, long story short, he ended up, um, he was a principal at a school, a school teacher slash principal, and then he um, he coached every single night after school. He would get home, he would have his afternoon tea. I remember a sausageen, chocolate sausageen, and a banana, and um, then he'd head off and he'd coach for a couple of hours every single night of the week, every night, mm. and all day Saturdays. So he he worked hard, you know. He as a principal, he. So he ran the school and then he would do his sport. And every morning, every morning, Bevan, he would get up and he would run. I can't think of a, a day that he wouldn't do that. So he was up and um, so he was running in the morning, teaching in the day, working in the afternoon, being with us at night. Like 
through my whole life. Then my mum was a ballet dancer, so she was um, uh, in, involved in, in that through her life and then uh, then she was a mother, obviously, so that, you know, that becomes a full-time job in itself. Um, so, so she um, sort of moved me into ballet and dancing and um, so I was sort of dancing and doing calisthenics in Australia. It's called calisthenics. And I was doing that from the age of like three years old. And by the time I was four, I think this is a it, – it's a it's something that was meant a lot to me. So I, I was in the very beginners, like juniors of calisthenics, and um, I was the club champion. Oh, really? And I, yeah, but I, the story about that is that I was a champion – Obviously not because I was highly skilled or whatever, but um, but apparently it was I just I was always there and I just wanted to do do my best every single rehearsal yeah. and I wanted to be in everything and and I've sort of just I've just had that forever in that I just always want to be my best. I didn't want to compete with anyone because they were not individual sports. I was never in individual sports ever. I only was in teams, but I was wanted to, to do the best I, I could as a as a no matter what sport it was it's interesting and then, even, oh sorry you go you go no no and then so then that just led into my first passion and I, my first passion was was ballet and my but my real passion was choreographing ballet routines yeah and so you and so you were doing that quite early on yeah from oh, really? like it yeah, I was right through primary school. Every night after school, I'd go to ballet. Um, so I was doing ballet five nights a week, Saturday mornings. Um, yeah, I've, I've just exercised every day I can think of. But my first passion, as you said, was was, was funny. It was um, was ballet, um, and I loved choreographing ballet dances, like choreography of mu- movement to music. That was my first passion. What's, what's interesting is when you were speaking before, you could see, um, obviously I can, I'm seeing Lisa over the internet right now, but um, you could see you take pride in that, that first value you, you learnt as a young person. Is that kind of that kind of effort and to try to be my best is something that you hold on to quite dearly even to this day? Yeah, it is. And, and it's not about <laughs> the skill. It wasn't about the skill. It was about, I was because I was so young, so I wasn't the best at the club or the... the in any way I was I it was my um I suppose my commitment and loyalty to the to to what I was doing and that was it was calisthenics and I was doing that first um and you had to do all these different things and many people won't know calisthenics because it's not a worldwide thing but in Australia you do it's called clubs and rods and freestyle dance and and um and and Free, free arm, it was called free arm, I think. I can't even remember now, but it was just a whole lot of different disciplines in the same sort of like mini gymnastic-y stuff. And so um, I imagine you got to a high level even as a teenager and creating dance and stuff. What kind of level did you get to there? And then when that kind of t- started to fade away, were you a little bit lost in life? What was it like? Yeah, I was. So um, I had a really bad accident at school. Um, so, yeah, I, I was um, doing really well at, at dance. I was at a, an excellent ballet school in Victoria and I was um, just about to start auditioning for the ballet schools, Australian ballet schools, the, the big the big schools for um, for ballet and um, and mainly and a lot of contemporary dance as well. And um, But I was, I was pretty sporty at school and I was going for everything and one day in a gymnastics session I had a really bad accident and I um it sounds crazy but (laughs) I literally I was running for you know those boxes that you jump over like you see those the horse box box, yeah the horse box yeah and in front of it you have a beat board yeah yeah (laughs) did you miss the beat board (laughs) (laughs) I literally someone before me had moved it into a different spot and I had my run up and I didn't know and as I ran, I did my big run up, and I oh. went to jump onto the beat board, and I actually jumped. Oh, <laughs> anyway, oh. well, long story short, I um, pretty much just about broke both ankles. Oh, wow. I didn't break them, but I was I was I couldn't walk for for weeks um, with both feet, and um, it ended up that 
I'd been dancing and I'd been doing so much through my ankles for so long on point shoes so early because my legs were strong, you know. Yeah. So I put on point shoes for young, like when I was seven or eight years old, I was on point shoes. And um, and I had these calves, so, you know, put calves and um, strong legs together and, yet yeah, you can put people pe- put me on point shoes. And way too young, way too much too early, and um, I had all these nodules in my ankles and they made them really weak. Oh, and I had to have operations, and as a result, I ended up with operations on both ankles. Um, couldn't walk for about six. I can't remember a long time now. A couple of months off school, blah blah blah. And um, that changed my 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 career path. I couldn't dance anymore, so I had to give up dancing. And I um, went back to calisthenics, which is where I started with, and um, just did that until university, really, for Zed, until I came across the aerobic studio. So, so you trained as a teacher. And I remember you talking, you loved being a teacher, um, but you didn't do it for a huge amount of time, did you? No, because I so I became a school teacher and um, I worked at Wesley College in Melbourne. Uh, so proud to work at Wesley College. Um, I was brought up in a very public system. So, and the, 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 or any of the private system uh, was like, you know, castles of princes and kings and so on to me. So yeah. I'd never been behind the gate, actually. I'd never been into the grounds of a private school. And I was very lucky that my first teaching position was at Wesley College and, um, yeah, a very good and awesome private school in in, in Melbourne. And um, uh, I actually fortunately got that as a – it was a placement for, for practice teaching. And I just – I think I appreciated and was so thankful that I was there that, again, it was just like – so we had a motto. On my, I, the, the classroom that I ended up getting was a year five homeroom, and uh, my class was – had a big sign on the window that the class made every year. We made a new one, and it was called Life is Fun in Five Adams. And um, it, it was. You know, the kids – we just loved being, I loved being there and I, I made the kids be so thankful that they were there because I'd grown up with nothing. Mm. So, you know, that I, if they didn't, if they spoke rudely or, or they didn't appreciate what they had or they didn't value that what the, the, um, the facilities and the experiences that they had in their life, I was quite upset with them. So I think I, yeah, anyway, I ended up, I was pretty much like that um, in my uh, emerges in my teaching and then I got a full-time job so yeah five years I did that full-time just there um, and then but at the same time I was an aerobic instructor part-time and working in the fitness industry and choreographing and starting to present workshops on high-low and step and teaching and um, all around the country and then the world I was presenting at conventions as well what was it like, you know, because so, you started, you, you had this kind of dance career and then you kind of, maybe you thought that's kind of dead to you because of, you know, what happened with your ankles and then you kind of uh, open another door and suddenly you're kind of getting recognised for that. Was that pretty cool? Yeah, yeah. I just, yeah, I just keep finding things that I used skills and experiences from the past to enhance what I was doing at that moment mm. and, and the new doors that were opening. So, you know, I, w- I had these these skills that, that, that I'd gained from, from my teaching, uh, from my ballet experience and my choreographing dances and then the, the, the calisthenics experiences on stage and performing and in teams and groups of people and winning club championships, I mean, as a team, all that, then into aerobics and then into presenting to, to other, yeah, conventions. I was using all those skills, my teaching skills, my choreography skills, my music skills, it all just came together, and then, and then I, then I took on aerobic championship um, competition. So, I, I actually left teaching because I was uh, representing Australia at the Worlds, and I had to train full time, so I couldn't do both. And you, and you actually ended up winning a world championship, didn't you? So I won my first. I won three. I won wow. first one in 1993 with with uh, Chris Kemp. Uh, um, that was incredible. And then I changed partners. Uh, he threw his Reeboks in. Um, we, <laughs> he was, um, yeah, yeah, incredible person. But um, he was pretty much a blonde version of myself. So he was a he. He was 
taller and he, he and I both used to wear these blonde ponytails, the same colour hair, same sort of muscular build and you would think that we were like God had put us on this earth as the male and the female version of, of this, yeah, this blonde looking pair. So we were pretty similar. So yeah, we won in 1993 in Tokyo at the at the World Aerobic Championships in there. And then we, I won in 96 and 1997, two years in a row with Dean Wright, my, mm. the next partner. He was a lot taller, wasn't he? I remember you saying he was quite tall. No, he was he was shorter. He oh, was, okay, he well, there was, you go. <laughs> yeah, no, he, yeah, he was a real gymnastic athlete. So, yeah. And by then, gymnastics was huge. So um, the routines from 1993 to 1996 and seven were just uh, you chalk and cheese, so different. So. Yeah. I, remember, I, remember, I do remember because I kind of started teaching in 99 and they were saying, because when I first started teaching, that's when everyday people stopped doing aerobics because, you know, it was kind of around that time because in New Zealand aerobics was quite a big thing and had quite a, yeah. you know, people like me could kind of do some comps and you'd do okay. And then it, it went real gymnastics and it kind of just killed a lot of the everyday kind of participants, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Well, it became an, um, a, a part of the gymnastic federation as part of one of their skills. Oh, um, I mean, didn't okay. didn't ever reach the Olympics, but they actually became a gymnastic. Oh, what's that? I'm not sure what the name is now. A gymnastic. Um, uh, it's like an arm of gymnastics. Like so, a discipline of it. Okay, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Correct. And so, um, yeah, the levels. I mean, we went from doing you know, a normal one-arm push-up in 1993, which was like, wow, to one-arm, one-leg tricep hinge push-ups in 1996 and seven. I remember doing those. And, yeah, and the you know, your, your regular V-set became your V-set into plank, into handstand, into flip, you know. So, yeah, the, the skill level went to, um, yeah, beyond the, the regular aerobic Level. What, what does it take to be a world champ? You know, because it like being a world championship champion in anything is, is a pretty phenomenal moment in your life because it's kind of the you know you talk about how fitness kind of came into your life and you accumulated all these skills and they kind of all came together in a way that opened up a new pathway for you. Um, and then obviously aerobics, you had those skills, but to be a world champ, talk us through who you were at that moment and what it took for you to not just do it once, but to actually do it three times. I think the first thing is I loved doing it. I loved it. I, I did. I loved I remember from the moment I started aerobic, even as a teacher, I just loved it. I loved, you know, I would, I, I think about going to the gym and teaching and the smiles and the experience of the people. I mean, the whole high-low and, and freedom of movement and music and the, the songs and the sing-along. I just, I just, gelled with that whole experience it, it just brought joy from the first moment I ever became a part of it mm. um and it was it was never for physical benefits it was never it's never extrinsic it was never I can never think of anything I've done for a look I, it's only ever been I've just done it because I love it or I've done it Gross. in fact I can tell you actually a story that really sits with me. It's a little bit off track. That's all right. Go for it. So at so in nineteen ninety six that so there are two world championships. Back then in the day there were two federations that had world championships in aerobics. There was the Reebok World Championships, then there was the Pan Pacific World Championship. There were two affiliations. So you could basically a world you could be a world champion either either or both. And often you weren't both. You were different because they're different judges, different marks, different systems. So in nineteen uh, nine, oops, in nineteen ninety six, when we won the world championship, we won the Pan Pacific World Championships, and and when we went to the Reebok World Championship in nineteen ninety six in New Orleans, Dean and I actually lost to this Brazilian pair. This is an incredible story. So we lost, so it was out of 300 and we lost to this Brazilian pair and we lost in physique. Oh, really? By like, and we ended up losing the, the, the title by by about 0.5. Just because of we physique? But there was a category called physique and wow. we were way, we were way, the, the Brazilian pair were wrecked. Like, yeah. 
abs on abs, like CrossFit athlete, like abs yeah. on abs and muscles and, and we were just sort of normal, you know, mm. like nothing. nothing. Fit, fit but not Good. crazy, yeah. Right? Fit yep. but not crazy. Anyway, but we were marked so far down in physique that we ended up losing the Reebok title. And the audience, when, when they announced it, the audience were like, what the? Yeah. Like it, it was a, there was a moment of silence. They couldn't believe it because we were clearly, you know, clearly got going to possibly win it. And then all of a sudden the, the marks came out, but we lost too much in physique. And it was like the most unfair thing. And that's I'd ever been involved in. Like it's like how can you lose? It's not about physique. And I, that was probably one of the most negative moments in my entire career. Because it's never been about physique for me. It's not about a look. And what I do is not about a look. Mm. It's just a result of what we do because we love. So that's what I've always held on to. Um, so I've, I've just loved I've, To become a world champion, I, no, you had to train every day. I love teaching. It's my family's history. It's my family's um, inner soul. But... Um, you have to sacrifice. I had to sacrifice that, give up the best job in the world and the best school in the world, the best opportunity. I had to go, I know, and I'm so grateful and thankful. But I loved, just loved, had this passion for for the this aerobic championship world and mm. I couldn't do both. So you have to, one, you have, so you have to make sacrifices. So you, I had to give that away. And it was and a big then, sacrifice. You know, like a career, you know, like you, you talk about getting yeah. that job and how much it meant to you. and Oh, you bet. Yeah, you wouldn't. No, totally. And my, my family were horrified. You know, you don't give up that for that or, you know, it was, yeah. But in the end, I just, to be a world champion, if that, you know, that's a question. You've got, you've got to have the love for it, you know, I and you've got to make sacrifices. So, in fact, I think I sacrificed that. I sacrificed, um, you know, I ended up moving back home, had no money, had no job, um, all of that. So, you really, you know, you have to be willing to just do what you love with no necessarily not financial rewards or, or business, you know, futures and stuff. So, just loved it. So, and then you were. Ian and I traveling. Um, we would tra I would travel uh, over an hour and a bit to get to Dean, who lived on the other side of the city. But it was worth it because his coach was there and his skills. We need I needed his skills. He was the only partner I could have, so I had to travel every day an hour, over an hour to get there. Train with him for a couple of hours and then come back and then teach my and then teach my classes. So yeah, for money. So you just got to love it, passion, sacrifice be willing to it's not going to be easy and then 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 you get you don't always win either yeah yeah sometimes we were beaten and you just go back to make it better like yeah okay, yeah, okay so i got beaten by a better team okay what do we need to do to be better so what, are, what did i need to do i needed to actually back then i needed to get better gymnastic skills so i need and i needed to work on I mean I had the flexibility and I had the, the the strength so I needed to get in the power. I had the power so I had to maintain that but then build the weaknesses. Mm. So you know I think they're the core things and there's obviously a lot more things but number one underlying thing is you gotta love it. When you love it, you make sacrifices to make sure that you can be the best you can be. And then take the knocks. Well, and that's, yeah. well, and like I've known Lisa for years, and, and I've been a friend for years, and and nearly twenty years, Lisa. How crazy is that? But um, but I remember I'm only thirty three forever. Oh, that's right. Sorry, I, I met her when she was like thirteen. Um, <laughs> but but this, 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 and I've, I've told you this. One thing I always really admired you about you, and, and you're talking about the athletic journey here, is that when you have the knocks, it's kind of like stand up. See how it's an opportunity to grow yourself. But, you know, I've known you through some pretty hard life knocks as well. Um, and one thing I've always been really, really admired about you is your attitude in all times, and particularly in tough times. Um, do you want to talk about what that attitude is and how you're able to put that in place in challenging times? Um, yeah, it's, it's 
it's actually quite hard to talk about that stuff because part of my my savior if you like for my my myself is I don't sit in shit I don't sit mm. in bad stuff I really don't and I don't want to be surrounded by it. I don't want to be a part of it I can't I don't want it in my bubble and I don't and I yeah and, and I don't cope actually very well with it so I want to move out of it very very quickly so um yeah I definitely had some hard times um um with health you bet I've had you know few think quite a few knocks there but um and as well as, as I mean I know it's okay to to go well this is happening to me now but there's always people that are so much worse off than you like we've I, I don't know I, I know that that's not good for everybody and but but it's true there are people that are so much so much worse off there are people that can't cure themselves that can't find people to help them that can't find cures that can't see a way to get better that can't or that you know there's kids that are sick there's you know there's a lot there's just so much worse stuff out there Mm. it just and it makes me go well you know this is nothing Mm. and then that gives you a strong mindset straight away it gives me a strong mindset straight away to actually get on with it to deal with it and move on because there's always somebody that's much much more worse off than than i am and um that doesn't work for everybody um and people are allowed to to, to have sad times. I don't want to sound like you're not allowed to, but I don't allow myself to. It's just the way I am. I don't allow myself. Some days I do, some days it's been, it's hard, but you know, I can quickly get out of it because um, there's people worse off. There's, there's much worse things out there. Than so you, so you have a perspective that says, don't sit in it, see that there is worse, there is worse and act to move myself forward. Yeah, totally. Okay. Totally, yeah. and and it may, sometimes it might mean changing things, but there are other options. So, for example, so uh, you know, like um, uh, most people know, that I've had a total hip replacement to start with. If you follow um, her on Instagram, she was barely doing squats in the hospital. <laughs> I was, and I, if my if my doctor found out what I was doing now, I'd tell you he he would. Yeah, I'm not sure what he'd say, but um. But that was the thing, you know. I mean, it's a strong mind. You know, I, I, yeah, you've just got to get on with it. And you know, at the end of the day, so I, I haven't gotten back to the games yet. So I, I had my hip was in agony at the games before. Oh my god, I can't. Oh, for for those who don't, for the, for the listener, like I worked for Lisa a little bit around that time. Like you, you, you could hardly walk. I couldn't get in a car. Yeah. I couldn't get out of a car. It was bad. And, it was bad, and the yeah. amount of painkiller. When it got to the stage where I couldn't do a step touch without the pain, and that was when I was just I was crying on stage trying to get to hide it. And Jackie, my savior, Jackie Mills, saw me at, at filming. Was it with you, Bear? Yeah, much sure. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was when we were in the basketball stadium place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she pulled me aside and said, "We need to help you, eh?" And she, she helped me get the hip operation faster because I, I was on a waiting list and hadn't even had the call to see the doctor, so it would have been two years down the track. But Jackie and Philip helped. Um, they funded my hip replacement so that I could get back to what I what I did faster and gave me a great surgeon. And so I was very, very lucky, very, very lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- I'm so thankful. But um, so th- there are things that I, I can't, you know, that I couldn't do. And, but there are also things that I could do to prevent things. So, like, I knew that my doctor, that, that people haven't researched the strength gains of working on a hip and how it helps them maintain a, a healthy hip getting back to normal well so i've done deadlifts and strengthening work and i got a personal trainer to work um you know mark holyoke on on oh, honestly the stuff he gave me to rehab fast was incredible his knowledge i accessed knowledge early to get back to it so i had a strong mind and my body could support the hip and then i could get back to running and then i can and now i can do actually everything i'm up squatting and snatching and olympic lifting and running and i don't know how long my hip's gonna last but at the moment <laughs> i'm doing everything but so, so it's um, not just act it's act with as much knowledge as possible yes yeah okay. and smart so yeah. i can't run three of i was i was when i was super fit you know i was running and and um much more and and enjoy doing a lot more high impact and and 
other type of training and lots of tuck jumps and lots of impact. Well, I can't do that now. So in even in a body tap class, I can show one or two tuck jumps um, and then I can modify and do different things. doesn't mean I can't teach. Hmm. So it just means um, – that so I, I access people around me to do the tuck jumps or to show or to teach it. So I don't feel that I have to do it to be to, to be able to do my job. So you just got to do different things. Like I'll row 5Ks instead of running 5Ks now. Hmm. Like this morning, I, I, I don't want to run today, um, put impact on my hip today. So I got up early and I rowed hmm. the same distance as I would have run. Hmm. So but you just got to change. A question I have, so, you know, so one thing that Lisa has got into in the last few years, and we've talked a little bit about this, is the kind of CrossFit. And it was really interesting because I, I, I knew you in that moment before you had CrossFit, and there was a period where you were a little bit lost, um, you know, and then you found CrossFit, and it was like, oh, Lisa, you could just see you'd found that thing that brought Lisa back to Lisa. But what has CrossFit taught you that nothing else, that you hadn't learned about yourself, that you've learned through CrossFit? That there, Once again, I think you do things to help you do what you love. So so body tech is my love. Les Mills is my love. And I don't think I could maintain the the ability that I have teaching attack without some of the strengthening and body body movement skills I've learned from, from training a different way. And it's not necessarily CrossFit, but it's just a different type of training. So that's what it's taught me. So sometimes you might need to do something else to be better. So at what you what you want to be. So I want to stay on a stay. I want to still do tuck jumps. I still want to do um, body attack and body step and 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 my own grip classes and stuff like that. But I can't do them unless I've got the strength and stability and mobility of my body to do that at my age and at that fitness level. Mm. And you don't need to. Or like I can't do five attacks a week. Nobody should be doing five attacks a week. Mm. You can't do seven grits a week you shouldn't do seven grits mm. a week on your body long term so to, to do what you love you it's good to mix in other things to keep you doing what you love does that make do you don't yeah yeah, yeah totally yeah and because it's, it's the aging thing as well is it um yeah because a lot of people kind of get stuck on my movement and then when that movement no longer exists they kind of just fall away from exercise and it's like well as we age we will have to move differently and we'll have to do kind of more work to look after our body so we can keep moving how we like yeah so yeah, so for example, and I row, so I row instead of running to fit, and I go for a swim. And I swim. This is to prevent me from drowning. I swim <laughs> like a, a bloody rock, but um, you have seen me swim. Um, yeah. It's not a pretty picture, but it's it, it's another way to keep fit. To um, for, for for what I do for my classes, which is my job and what I love. So it, it, I don't love it anymore, but it just helps. So you've got to make those sacrifices. You know, I, I can't teach five, I can't teach three classes a day, but the classes that I do teach, I want to be in great shape and fit for. So do other things to be at that top level. Don't just expect this is going to, you're going to have it, you know? Yeah. So I do want to talk a little bit about um, being a fitness leader, but before we get into that, just, you know, your father and your parents were such great role models for your passion for fitness. Um, and you've got your boys, Jackson, um, Hunter. So. Hunter. The advice around parents with kids and exercise, because, you know, we live in a world where unfortunately we're getting kids who are obese, who, who don't even know exercise, you know, there's a, it's a big problem in our society. And so just for your advice around parenting for kids, you know, so that we can build that love of exercise into their life. Yeah, that this is a topic in itself. I think this is some, an area that I'd like to move into more, actually. Um. So, yeah, from my own experience with my own parents, I think they were the greatest role models. I mean, w without them ever, ta I mean, they did take me take me to all these different, to, or to, to, to the different sports every night. They just supported my engagement in exercise. So I think that's the first thing. Like for my kids, I've tried to expose them to so many different things. You know, they've done soccer and rugby and um you know, want to move and um, basketball and they I just I, I encourage them jiu-jitsu to do whatever to try things just try it I don't like it that's okay um, to try something else um, and I think that's the first biggest thing as a, as a great parent is to be to support them to engage in lots of different exercises not just one 
Mm. So it would be wrong for me or for me just to say, because my, my husband loves rugby, you're just going to do rugby. That would be wrong. So, um, I mean, Hunter loves jiu-jitsu, whereas Jackson just has huge passion for rugby. They're completely different, which is great. Yet yet they both like the other 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 skills as well. So um, that's the first thing. And the second thing is, you know, what we do is what they see. Mm. And eventually, hopefully, it's what they do. And it may not be now, but it actually might be later. So I remember my dad getting up early every morning because he didn't have time for his own. He, that's what they did back then. They didn't have gyms and stuff. But he ran every morning because he didn't have time during the day. I remember that. And I remember my mum playing squash and watching mum play squash. And I just think, it, yeah, if we're sitting on the couch, they're going to sit on the couch. Mm. And so not only are you supporting them with what they do, but you're actually actively showing that you believe it's good for yourself as well. Mm. And and then one other thing, there's so much, I could talk so much about this because it's quite different now with Jackson being 15 okay, yeah. and how and my support for him and to what I was doing for him when he was 12 and then what, I, what I'm doing with Hunter at eight. Yep. So... I think it changes a lot through the ages as a great parent to encourage good sports. And what is that different? So what, what's different from Jackson from three mm. years ago to now and how you kind of help him with his fitness journey? Yeah, and, and this is something I'm – and I'm struggling with this at the moment. So he loves his sport, What has such high expectations of himself, yet he's 15, and do you know how hard it is to get him out of bed? Uh, okay, yeah, <laughs> the lazy teenager. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah. And do you know how hard it is to help again to to not go to McDonald's or not have play games because his name or sit and the, yeah. the screens until two in the morning, and that sometimes I'm I'm getting up saying I can't believe you're still up. I thought you were getting up early in the morning, but you're playing games because he's got some great mates. They're lovely, but they're not necessarily they're not just not sporty. He's got mm. some sporty mates and then some who are not. Um, wow! So this is a ch- really challenging time. So. Um, yeah, I, I know some days I just get, get out there and I, I get really cross because he hasn't done anything. And then I realize that, that my frustrations of what he's doing is my frustrations, not his. And I have yeah. to actually have to hold myself back. And I'm learning that at the moment to let him do it in his own time. Um, whereas other days he will just come and join me and he just wants to, what are you doing? What do you do? What work, work, can I join in your workout? And that's when I have to just grab it. And he realizes how good he feels after it. So it's different now. It's different how to work it and what to force and what not to force. Whereas with Hunter, um, different challenges again because um, he, he doesn't ha- he's at a school with not many sporty friends at all. He actually doesn't have sporty friends. Oh. And with this, lock- with this lockdown, he's done nothing. I can't even get him outside to throw a basketball, yet he's so sporty with when he's back at school and stuff. And all he wants to do is play computers. So... Um, yeah, what with him, it, it is actually, I'm turning off the internet, you're outside for an hour. Don't mm. think you can go back on there. So it's a different a different mindset. Mm. It's a really it's important a point there, that you talked about there, which is, I was speaking to someone else about this recently who was kind of similar, teenager, was struggling, and it was, the discussion we were having was this whole idea of um, you're putting your expectation on your kid, and so you're, you're, the, the kid experience of you is just you, them being you being frustrated with them um and it's hard because you know you want to teach them these kind of life character traits and when they're not being in that place but then your response kind of pushes them away it's it's such a because it is emotionally challenging for the parent as well isn't it yes and i totally understand that i i am saying that is me that has been me during this lockdown on a number of occasions i'm so frustrated because he hasn't done anything, and he, yet he when he goes back to school next week, and he's going to try off for rugby, and he's not fit enough. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's it's pretty interesting, challenging times. Um, mm. Okay, so let's let's dig into the um, as a fitness leader now, because you, let's be honest, God, you, you've done pretty well in this area. So uh, one of the biggest faces of Liz Mills, step. Body attack. I know body attack's the, the main passion, although I know you love step as well. Um, when it comes to exercise, what do you reckon the key to success in helping people love exercise? Show it. Tell me about it. Um, 
I think, um, yeah, like if you express your express your love of something on the outside, it's easier for people to connect to it and take it with them. Mm. So it's it's being able to yeah to open up and and just even just have moments where, um, you know, you say, "Wow, um, this is just such a great place to be." You just show it. You smile. You um yeah I, I think that that's that's definitely one of the first it's almost like you're sitting things. you're sitting in the kind of environment the mood the, the feel yeah, yeah yeah I mean why wouldn't people want to come into well, if you go to a party and you go what, what's a great think of a great party you walk into if you walk into a party that's just dark or heavy music or um uh, and no one connecting or yeah. we're just sort of feeling dark how does that make you feel Whereas if you walk into a room where there's balloons and there's noise and there's people going, woohoo, or yeah, hey, isn't this great? You know, straight away you feel like you want to be a part of that experience because it's human nature to want that, that those endorphins and the up and the feelings of, of, of happiness. Um, yeah, so I think that as a fitness leader, that's one, a very important um, attribute to have is being able to to create the environment that is welcoming and, and positive for people to walk into. And that comes from how you show it. It comes from your face. It comes from your body language. It comes from your eye contact. It comes from just your smile. I mean, my biggest, one of my biggest sayings is your smile is your energy. And it is, you know, um, yeah, walk in a room with a smile and somebody will look at you, walk in the room with a frown and everybody wants to turn away. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the biggest thing is a great, to be a great leader. One thing. When you design workouts, because one thing I, I, you know, like I always admire your ability to know what's right, and, and what what I mean by that isn't you know obviously movements and stuff, but the fun like a, a good example we did a, a release of maybe about a year ago, and they had a song um, Purple People you know which is a bit of an out there song, uh, you know like <laughs> for those who are in the Les Mills world they'll know the song and it's you know it's, it's kind of out there but a bit, a bit crazy and but it was also the peak song of the workout so you know normally the peak song of the workout it's kind of everyone just smash yourself kind of attitude and the song there was going to be a couple of light moments in it because of the nature of the song um, but the, literally the we've done all the practice we're literally going into film like the next morning and she just said boys we just got to have more fun with it you know we, we, we're sure we're doing a fun but but actually this song is more about fun and I, I I always admire your ability to understand what's needed in the workout and to make it a successful overall workout so when you when you're designing a workout what are you thinking about in regards to putting it all together? Like what, you know, because you're obviously thinking of the kind of the end experiences you, the end user experience, but just what, are you, what kind of goes through your mind as you're designing like body attack? Um, okay. So I, um, hmm. I mean, when I'm designing body attack, it's a whole package. It's start to finish. So, I remember that. I remember that experience with you, and um, I remember that song. And that song choreography was hard, and it could, and it was intense. But there was also quite a lot of intense moments through that whole release. So it was. I just possibly felt that I did feel that it was just that 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 track was there because of the balance of intensity but also to give it a little bit of fun as well to to lighten it up a bit because I need a balance of of enough of the things that make the class successful which is in body attack enough challenge and enough smiles as well Mm. and I think that when we were teaching it it was becoming too hard and too intense and too aggressive and it just for me took the the overall feel of the workout out of a place of balance Mm. so um, and there was nowhere else in the workout where you could bring in a little bit more fun. So, yeah, that song had it in it naturally. So don't fight it. Mm. If it's there, just let it go. Don't you got to go with the feeling. Mm. And so that's what pulled it back. So it's just I think I I look for the right balance of of feelings for the middle range of people. Like I, I really empathise with people in life. I think that and what body attack is and where it's placed. So. Um, if people want just a hard out, challenging, smashed workout, then it's 
not just going to be that. So if it's not hard enough for somebody, that's quite okay because there's other classes that might suit that type of fitness need. Body attack is challenging, as challenging as individuals want to make it with a laugh at the same time. Mm. So um, I need to find that balance to be true to the essence of, of, of my program of body attack. And that's how we create these subconscious um, feelings that come for the participants from body tech. They don't know what and why we do it, but and the instructors may not know what and why I do it, but it's a subconscious feeling of of balance between the joy and the and the and the sweat at the right times. Um, mm. What's the most challenging part of making a, a release? Oh, sorry. What's the most challenging part of making a release? The, the most challenging part of making a release is the exact right balance of that. Okay. Actually. Yeah. So I need to balance that through music. I can't always have the same style. I need to have different styles, different speeds, different movements. I can't, I don't want to repeat movements. I don't want to do uh, the right balance of new and old moves. It's all about yeah, that's challenging for me because um, I want to make sure it's fresh, but I certainly don't want it to be um, uh, un- to be more comp- too complicated or too much new stuff where people have to think too much. Because I don't think people come to cl- I just don't think people come to group fit to think too much. I just don't. I think they come to um, keep their mind sharp, sure, and, the- and there's enough co- coordination in our classes for people to do that. And working on beat with the music, so and not crashing into each other, and keeping their two-minute distancing at the moment <laughs> with social distancing. So they've got enough to think about rather than than um, complexity. So yeah, the challenge is to get the right balance of, of freshness and familiarity, of freshness of different styles of music. I mean, I have a release, and I love songs more than others. That's because other people like so- you like different music to me. Mm. I respect that. I respect we all have different different music tastes i respect that people have different markets out there so it has to be something that can be dialed up or down if i give some somebody something that's just too hard that can't be dialed down without changing it then it's not right Mm. so i need to be able to provide a workout that can be dialed up if you need it at your 610 class in christchurch or is it a uh 610 um 610 class in in the midwest in ymca where there's um, much less people and um, yeah the, the intensity needs to be way back so I have to be able to give a workout that can be adjusted what's the best part of your job it's challenging connection oh my god right now I think the best part of my job is being able to share how much love I have for, for, for fitness and being with people and how good it can make you feel um I have struggled really big time over this lockdown. I've more than ever. I've struggled more in this time than I did with my, having a hip replacement or losing one of my boobs. Yeah. Honestly, I have struggled more with this. I was able to get those, fix those things, and move on, mm. and never get sad. Whereas in this lockdown, man, it hit me hard, and it still hits me hard. Like I had three days last week where I didn't want to do anything. Um, and, um, yeah, so, and it's definitely because I wasn't able, didn't have time to connect or I didn't have time. I was doing lots of computer stuff and, and things where I didn't have time to inspire and connect people and get them moving and, and, and say, come on, you feel good after you do this or just try this or just do this. So I think the best part of my job is being able to share, um, the, the positives of, our group fitness classes, so positive, such great music, such a great place to, to sweat and smile and and bring positivity into people's lives in a world where there's so much crap. So, yeah, I think that's the greatest thing about our job, being able to motivate, inspire and get people moving with a smile. 
Yeah. Um, just two more questions. First one is, yeah. someone's listening to this because this is an audience not to, that isn't just fitness professionals and isn't just fit people. It's kind of like lots of range of people. Someone's listening to this and, you know, they, they look at us and they just think we're crazy. You know what I mean? Like for us to do what we do is kind of everyday life for us. But they, like, yeah, it's easy for you to say you're going to do this. But for the person who's really struggling with exercise, what would be your advice around helping to kind of start to win in this area that maybe they struggle in? Phone a friend. Yeah. Actually, um, and I really empathise with these people. I think this is so real. Um, there, there's distractions in life. There's so much going on for people. And let's take a, a mum at home, kids, young kids, even older kids, you know, house, duties, financial. There's just so much going on. And to get started is a big step to to getting a plan or even getting into an environment where they can do some fitness. So, and I think the best thing to do is to get someone to do it with you, is to reach out and say, will you walk with me? Will you go to the gym with me? Will you do a Les Mills On Demand class with me? Will you, um, let's, let's both talk about, um, let's, let's, um, let's get on a bike at 10 o'clock different houses even like let's say i said to you bev bev at 10 o'clock tomorrow um i'll text you let's get on the bike and let's ride for, for 30 minutes at the same time just some type of connection or commitment to somebody will help somebody get into something get started with something mm. then once they've made a start then they can start thinking about making it more frequent possibly and extending it so I think you've got to cover the basis of, of exercise, can't you? First of all, um, yeah, frequency. No, let's make it happen. How, how many times? Reality, maybe once a week, then maybe twice a week, then maybe three times a week. Frequency. Then look at the duration of it. Like maybe just start and start small. Start with 10 minutes three, once a week, 10 minutes twice a week, 10 minutes three times a week, 20 minutes once a week, 20 minutes twice a week, 20 like. Start with frequency. Get the get it actually happening. Then look at the amount of time they're doing it. Um, uh, then then maybe the the, the then look at um, diversity. Like what type of workouts are they doing? Is it just one type of workout? Can they extend to two types of workouts? So I think there's steps. If we could just encourage people that don't do anything to go through steps, like stages one, two, three, mm. on first frequency duration. Then, then not complexity, but but um, diversity, d different types of variety. Let's call it variety, and have variety. Then finally, intensity. Finally, intensity. It's it's the last thing that they should even worry about, um, because as soon as you start getting into intensity, I think you start getting into um, places of. Um, Maybe not so many smiles, but more harder workouts and more mm -hmm. stress involved. Which is rewarding so when you know it, but when you're new to it, it's a bit scary and pushes you away, doesn't it? Yeah. So don't worry about the intensity. Just do it first. Mm -hmm. Then do it longer and then try different things and then start finding the intensity as something last. So that is my uh, – um, they're my steps that I like to – yeah, I would encourage people at home to start – and to make a plan to get a good exercise program going. Last question. Um, Body Attack is obviously both our passion. Uh, my first ever yes. email address was Bev Attack. That's how that's our passion, right? I remember. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, a lot of people listening to this will be Body Attack like, kind of lovers. And there's, you've done a really – hashtag Body Attack Love if you don't know much about Body Attack team. If you go on Instagram, you look at hashtag Body Attack Love, it's just – Lisa's done a great job of building a community of people who love body attack. But for instructors right now at this moment who are now starting doors are opening back up to gyms, what do you see as their role for their participants in this moment? You know, what do we need to do to be great for our participants in this moment? Okay, that's such, I'm about to do a whole lot of um, stuff on that. In fact, I'm doing, I hope it's okay, tomorrow morning at 6.45 New Zealand time, Friday morning, the 15th of fifteenth of May, is it tomorrow? Oh, it's too late. Oh, so I release this after tomorrow. So but there oh, might be a replay. Right. if there's a replay, I'll put uh, it in the show notes. Okay, so um, I'm doing a huge talk to the world on just that. Okay. So um, 
Yeah. So right now I'm about, our clubs are about to open and we're about to go back to teaching. So I'm exactly in that position and I'm so excited. I'm super excited, but I'm also very nervous and very anxious actually about going back to teaching for a number of reasons. Number one, I'm definitely not as fit as I was and I don't think I'm class teaching fit. So I haven't, I haven't done as much exercise. I haven't um, done as much intensity. I just haven't done them as long. I haven't done it as often. I'm definitely not as fit. Number two, um, my I've had way too many treats. I've had <laughs> way too much ice. I have I eat the biscuits with the kids every day. I have chocolate. I mean, I do that at my worst, but um, I've definitely put weight on. I'm definitely not as healthy as I was. Okay. And number three, I'm highly stressed because I've had kids and so many things going on, and and you know, like I'm yeah, constantly having hot flashes. But um, I think so. I think the things to do. This is. The, my take on and what I'm going to be doing to, to get ready for teaching are these. Number one, I'm going to start doing the whole release, not 30 minutes. I'm going to do some 55-minute classes and I'm going to get my fitness, class fitness back up. Mm. And I'm going to push my intensity because I am so I, I can push play and I can rest and I can miss a track or I don't have to actually have to run hard to the end. I can just sort of peter out at yeah. home. I need to work hard in these practices getting back. I need to be honest with myself and get my fitness back up for teaching classes. So... I'm going to. I'm going to do that. I, I started this morning and I, I got up and I did uh, a full-out step class, a little bit extra after that, but I, I got up early and I did that. Um, the step's my first class teaching back. So I did that. I'm going to do that again tomorrow and I'm going to do it the next day and then I'll be teaching after that. So fitness, I'm going to get that back up. Second thing, I'm throwing away the treats. I'm, get, I'm going to that cupboard. I am not buying any more biscuits because I eat them. And... Um, yeah, I need to get back healthy again. I'm going to put back in the shakes and take out the snacks and get so that I feel like I've got a good energy to teach, not a sludgy, mm-hmm. over-sugared body that doesn't feel great. So I'm going to fix my eating. The third thing I'm going to do is I'm going to get highly organized. I'm going to learn my choreography. I'm going to make sure I know the choreography. I'm going to find my mic belt. I'm going to find my microphone. I'm going to make sure the kids are looked after. I'm going to be highly organized to teach the class and the, the tools that I need to teach. A sweat towel even, like mm. we have to have a towel yeah. and we're going to have to have our own water bottle. We can't, you know, so I, I need to have all those things. And the most important thing to be prepared for teaching, getting ready, is to have empathy for the, I'm just thinking about the participants. Yeah. They're probably feeling the way I'm feeling. They may not, they may not have done anything for the last couple of months. They may, they've probably done workouts in their garage in a small space with limited room, limited resources. So they've done their intensities lower, they're not as fit, um, and they haven't done it as often. So, yeah, they're, 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 they're going to, what are they going to need? A whole lot of options, a whole lot of um, ways to move, and a whole lot of praise on what they're doing and just being there, not focusing on intensity. Mm-hmm. I'm going to focus on, I think that we should be focusing on, um, on, uh, yeah, just the positive feelings of music and the joy of being together, not challenging people to work at their hardest or do as many push-ups as they can. I am not going to say, do as many as you can. Come mm-hmm. on, do five more. Because right now, I don't think I'd want to hear that. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go into the space getting fitter now, eating better, um, being highly organized and um, thinking of all the different ways I can have empathy for the members to go, that are going through probably exactly the same as me and how my coaching will be focused on clear teaching of the choreography and positive praise and motivation for just coming back and exercising, not for intensity efforts. And can, and can yeah. I just add one thing to that? Because I think one thing that our members will really need is just that you're back in a safe place. You know, you know you, you, yeah. you're back to that thing in your life that you know is good for you, you know, and, and so it's that it kind of, because I, I, I did a little post just kind of promoting Christchurch being open again this morning on Instagram, and I kind of said, you know, we spend more time with people like you guys than we do our family. You know, you are our fitness family, and it's that kind of, often when you work out with a group of people, even though you may not know them that well, you kind of spend this time with them every day, kind of often in your life, and it's yeah. that kind of, I think a part of our job right now as we move back into this is just to facilitate that. You know, if you use yeah. the names of the people in your class, you know, have the jokes, pull all your old jokes out that, you, that only your class knows. You know, it's all those little things that makes them go, oh, God, I'm, you know, you know, when you've been away on a holiday and you kind of get back to life and it's like, oh, I'm back. 
And I think that's what a lot of people need yeah. right now. It's just that familiarity of something that's really healthy in their life. And so a part of our job is to help facilitate that side of it as well. I love that. I'm going to add that to my talk oh, well, tomorrow, well, well, Ben. Give me a plug. So I, <laughs> I will. Don't worry about that. Always, always happy to do that. That's for sure. <laughs> hey, well, thank you so much for your time. You're, seriously, um, I just I, obviously you're a good mate, but I just always admire your work. I admire your attitude. Uh, I admire your ability to. One thing that Lisa is really good, and we've really touched on it today, is to realize that things should evolve. Um, and I admire the, your ability to kind of always fight for that and always put that forward. Um, you know, and you always, I always think a great leader knows what to fight for. Um, and you seem to understand what the most important things to fight for when it comes for exercise and not just your own life, but in the life of many other people who you touch. And let's be honest, you touch a lot of people for exercise. So thank you so much for having me coming on the show today. You're a bloody legend. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Debbie. Absolutely love you. Rightio, Tim, I hope you got a lot out of that interview. You can see she's um, just an impressive person, really, you know. Uh, and one thing we didn't really touch on is just her attitude towards fun. Like, Lisa just wants to have fun. She's, you know, even when you, in the interview when she talked about as a child and she ran into that bloody horse box, you know, like, her ability just to see the light side of life is a really cool thing. And, um, yeah, so it's, uh, if you want to check out Lisa, you can go to Instagram and uh, Facebook. She doesn't really have a website as such, but if you, can, if you want to check out Liz Mills On Demand, you can follow some of the workouts she does there. Um, but she also is on Instagram is always just really putting up some cool content around just motivating people and keeping people happy and be keeping people active as well. So Lisa Osborne is just a bit of a legend in my game, in the fitness game. Uh, I, I, I didn't, <laughs> I've got a couple of questions I need to answer. And I said I was going to do it in the next episode, but I've gone over the hour, so I promise the next episode I'm going to answer the questions that have been sent through to me recently if you want to support the show please become a patron of the show becoming a patron just supports me and what I do just put a little bit of your, heart, your own hard earned money my way and each time I release a show you just kind of donate you know the amount that feels right for you uh, other than that if you want to spread the word about the podcast reviews really help anything like that really helps uh, tell your friends about it put it on your Facebook feeds social media and if you want to follow me I'm on Instagram as Bevan James Isles same as Facebook and other than that I think I should wrap the show up so as always keep being you